0: comic book workshop brought to you by panel by panel magazine and our lovely supporters on patreon i'm jason hammonds a writer who also draws
1: and i'm ken heidelman an artist who also writes we're both making comics while still learning how to make comics after digging through libraries the internet and fighting wednesday warriors for their precious knowledge on making comics we thought
0: it might be a good idea to share our notes and hopefully help you make your own comics as well
1: all righty jason what's on the agenda
0: Uh, Today, we have a Kickstarter doubleheader, Kent. We have, uh, in the first half, we'll be talking to Henry Barajas, a good friend of both of ours, about his uh, new comic on Kickstarter, La Voz de Mayo. Uh, This is a really cool comic about uh, the experiences of his grandfather, actually um i don't want to say too much more for fear of screwing it up and because henry talks about it in this very interview and he tells you exactly what you need to know uh the biggest thing to know is that uh, you've only got a few days left to back his kickstarter it ends on october 3rd uh thankfully it's already fully funded but uh, if you want to get your hands on this uh on this pie you better get in quick and then uh after the uh break kent after the ad break we'll be talking to another creator with a, a kickstarter to go check out tell, tell us about that
1: yeah yeah so after the break uh, we'll be talking to nicole DeAndrea. uh she's got road trip to hell number one that she's kicking on kickstarter it is also fully funded so definitely go check that out uh but it's it's gonna it's gonna cross the finish line with or without you but if you want to get on board there is a limited time as well i believe that reaches its conclusion on october 10th uh so get on there now and if it's you know way past this it's years later and you're you've dug up this podcast uh just you know google those names and go find out the find the, the finished copies of it somewhere else but uh, as of right now topically uh, that's the hot place to go for a kickstarter
2: hell
0: yeah it is but without further ado let's uh, kick it right off to the interview with our friend henry barajas <music> I am Jason Hammonds, and here, as always, with my co-host, Ken Heidelman. Hey, hey. We are at Long Beach Comic Con with Mr. Henry Barajas. Yo, what's up? That's me. Hey, he's the director of operations at Top Cow. Yes, I am.
2: That is my job that I do Monday through Friday. Monday
0: through Friday, and
2: then on the nights and weekends, he's working on his own comics. Yes, I get to uh, make my own comic books, and I get to write for sci-fi Oh yeah, it's
0: great. Oh yeah, you write for uh, Sci-Fi Wire, huh? Yeah, I do. Oh yeah, you, you can see Henry Barajas all over the internet. Uh, but Henry, we're uh, we're here to talk about your comic book Kickstarter. Uh, tell tell us about it a little bit.
2: Hey, thanks for um, talking to me about it. I Really Dude, appreciate I would it do. from Absolutely. both of you. Yeah, um, it's called uh, La Voz de Mayo. Mayo is an abbreviation for uh, Mexican American Yaki and others. Is it an acronym? Right? Is Acron- that yeah? An acronym. It, it. Sorry. Um, So it's about my great-grandfather's political activism in the early 1970s. Oh, interesting. He helped the Yaqui tribe become recognized during the uh, Carter administration, the Uh late 1970s. But in the early 1970s, late 1960s, he helped start Mayo and uh, helped them get uh, sidewalks and plumbing and electricity installed into their area that they didn't have, just normal, basic. Human Super. needs, yeah. <laughs> and um, while that was happening, the city of Tucson wanted to uh, displace twelve thousand families, which was basically through the reservation to make room for the uh, Interstate Ten. Mm-hmm. Which, wow! If you you could take the I Ten through the entire country, yeah. I think all the way to Florida from oh, California to I Florida. That. Yeah, I didn't know. And um, they basically petitioned and protested and had the freeway built where the uh, trash was so there was like a bunch of trash like the, the dump Jesus. Yeah. and back then a lot of the poor folks like yeah. Native Americans and kind of um, poor families would go to the trash and get mm. wood and boxes to use for their homes to build yeah yeah so um, that's what he did and unfortunately none of this is documented in the tribes history and city of Tucson History, which probably something the city wants to ignore. Of course. uh, Which I don't blame them. And I have all this stuff I can prove. Of course, some of it is dramatized because I wasn't there. Um, So I'm really excited to tell my great grandfather's story and share it to the world. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: So, what, when you're obviously, this is a story that's very close to you. When you're outlining and kind of like, you know, figuring out the full arc for this story, how, how do you go about that process with something that is so you know based on reality and close to, to home and stuff like
2: that? Yeah. Well, it was it wasn't meant without resistance. My family, um, the you know my my mom's uncles and aunts and you know everyone that knows my great grandfather feels very um, kind of upset about how he was treated, how he wasn't recognized. Of course, my great grandfather did not want recognition at all. In the neighborhood, they were going to name a a park after him, but he Mm -hmm. said no. Uh, He was in World War II. He was a sniper. He fought in Okinawa. He was awarded a Purple Heart, but he refused the Purple Heart. Uh, Wow. So he was just someone who historically never wanted (laughs) credit. He just thought, I guess, he never really, we never got to really talk about it uh, before he died about why he didn't accept, uh, you know, I did ask him, why didn't you? Get more recognition," he said, "because it was the right thing to do, and um, it wasn't enough for me, but it's what I got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. So really it interesting,
1: man. <laughs> I like it blows my mind not to accept the Purple Heart, but I, I got to read this, man. Yeah, yeah,
2: well, thank you. I'm really excited to um, to share it with the world. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it was hard to. I had his my his voice in my head for three years, yeah. trying to you know get his get his basic basically try to get as close to what i can what he would have done or what he was doing yeah um i got to talk to some of the living survivors from mayo like rosie jimenez uh who was such a a nice gal uh, works for the pima community college Mm. she still does good in the neighborhood so it was uh, interesting to figure out you know get multiple sources have paper paperwork to back it up that's interesting. Do you? I mean, when you're when you're trying to to
0: write in the voice of of not only you know a real person but somebody that you're close to, was there anything that you would kind of do to try and get yourself into that mindset or, or get yourself into the
2: voice of, of your grandfather? I would read his writing. Okay, he wrote a lot, and he was very he was a very technical writer, mm. um, very passionate, yeah, really. Uh, and he he was very motivated by helping the community, and mm-hmm. he was a big leader in his community and mm. he wasn't Yaki himself, he's Mexican his parents were born in Mexico, he was born in Tucson first generation Tucson mm. and he was very well spoken, very uh, you know, just respected for his work in the military and he had a presence and people liked him, he threw a lot of big parties, Yeah, what I like about my thing that I'm writing is that it's not a story about a perfect person. Whenever mm-hmm. I, I watch a documentary or read a documentary, there's a lot of cherry picking to see yeah. what kind of p- people they were. It's a heavy bias. I try to have a, use my journalism background to have a distinction of here's what he did, here's what I think his downfall was. He was yeah. an alcoholic. He was he loved women, so he had had multiple relationships during his marriage. And in, in 1974. Seventy-five. When you're getting divorced as a Catholic man for, you know, cheating on your wife, you yeah. kind of lose a lot of respect. Of course. Yeah, so
1: rough community. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. It's hard to be the same guy everyone knows and loves when you've done something on the eyes of the Lord. Yeah. Would not deem acceptable. Of course. Yeah. It's kind of a it's a very um, taboo thing,
0: yeah. uh, especially in yeah a very religious place.
2: But what he did doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't erase. The good things. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. You have to take it all. Yeah, in the, in and I'm account. not a perfect person, you know, so I I kind of relate to my great-grandfather. He was a writer. Of I course. was a, you know, I'm a writer yeah, and yeah. journalist. He was a semi-journalist by publishing a local newsletter that told you what was going on. That's really cool. He ended up protesting with Cesar Chavez. Wow. And there's a lot of, you know, uh, Chicano, uh, brown power, brown, po- brown pride, and... and the history, so it's kind of fun for me. Did you ever see uh, Searching for Sugar Man?
1: No, I'll no. So
2: it's basically Searching for Sugar Man is the uh, they found the Mexican or the brown Bob Dylan,
1: <laughs> and <laughs> he's Hell still yeah. out there.
2: Like Hell people yeah. like Bob Dylan likes this guy's work, so okay, it's basically awesome. this guy who did folk music, who got kind of lost in the shuffle. Yeah. You know? So it's my Searching for Sugar Man, but. But this Cesar Chavez version—that's amazing. That's really cool. I love that. Thanks. Uh, so, oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, I would say I'm.
1: Um, I'm curious. With the, it seems like you did a fair amount of research, not just because obviously the relationship, but uh, what kind of materials are? Did you are you bringing anything like uh, back matter content or? other stuff because I'm like I feel like there's a rich he wrote I'm like do you have any of his writing that you're including you don't have to but I'd just be curious (laughs) of like the the side material stuff
2: no uh, that's a good question I was very fortunate my uncle uh, Ralph and his daughters Crystal and um, they all gave me what they had which was newspaper clippings of his work where he was published featured Um, I have all his newsletters that I will reprint for the first time, since then, um, I went to the Pima Community, Pima County Libraries. I also went to the University of Arizona's library and found some books where wow. he was referenced, and that's where I found the conflict between him and the Native American uh, tribe, between the Yaquis mm-hmm. that they were, um, you know, the, uh, some of them didn't want, didn't really uh, know how to protest, so they didn't want to cause any problems. Uh, they were offered new land. Mm. My great-grandfather didn't want them to be relocated into a more barren area yeah. because he wanted them close to, like, clinics for contraception and for basic health needs. He wanted them close to city services, which was a big thing in the early 1970s. He was he did a lot of studying, a lot of civil uh, rights training, basically. Yeah. So he knew that it was important for the Native American people to have access to that.
1: That's incredible. Cool.
0: So- for your uh, coming to Kickstarter for this comic, was that was that a decision that you knew pretty early on that you were going to to turn to for
2: um, yes launching it? Okay. yes I think Kickstarter is a good barometer to see if society is ready for a story like this mm. and I think we are uh, I also it's important for me to portray Native Americans and Mexicans and and people of color in a positive light mm. especially Native Americans are usually typically uh, drunk characters. Or they're like they put they put their ear to the ground they yeah, like speak like yeah. Type, yeah so they like you know even with my one of my favorite shows Twin Peaks you know Hawk who's mm-hmm. like has like four lines in season one you know and it's one of those things where like Sherman Alexie is one of my favorite Native American writers and he ended up being a, a predator you know and a sexual pre- I don't know maybe there was claims I'm not saying he is yeah, yeah. excuse me but there uh, there were some sexual uh, predator allegations out there about him, which made me sad because I thought, I, you know, I looked up to him as a writer and as a Native American. Um, so, yeah, there is, uh, I think Kickstarter is a good place to go That is that shows there's either a need mm-hmm. and also gives me a chance to do a guerrilla marketing where it's like, we need to do this now. There is a sense of urgency because I feel like there isn't when it comes to Native American issues.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it seems like it, there's some of those issues, it's like every once in a while you hear about something, but there's not like tons of press behind it. You know, there's not a million movies about that struggle and, and, and about the issues that are going on right. still today in America. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's cool, you know, like bringing something to an under underrepresented issue. Um, as, as you're... You know, and I, I obviously you, you have some experience with Kickstarter as a platform and things like that. Um, what kind of pitfalls were you looking to avoid, and what kind of strategies you know are you using going into this Kickstarter campaign that you think work really well for that platform?
2: Um, well, I used to write for Comics Beat and I did a lot of interviews for um, Heidi McDonald, and I saw a lot of people get into shipping issues. A lot of people were, you know, there's the Kickstarter taxes. The, the excuse me. Kickstarter, and Amazon processing fees. Yeah, there's also taxes. Mm-hmm. So, those are two, um, three things that I'm trying to keep in line. You know, I'm going to be using first class shipping to ship the comics. Mm. Uh, so that's going to be that's going to drive the price way down. You know, yeah. there's USPS. It's about seven to eight dollars to ship a comic. Yeah, but Ooh. it's but it, it's a little it, it's more protected. I for me, I think comics should be read, not. Coveted in a plastic sleeve for the rest of its Agreed. life. <laughs> yep. So I'm not a you know I hey there's nothing wrong with that and I think if you if that's what you like to do fine but for me I think comics should be folded up and put in your back pocket with your baseball that's cards. Jason, you're speaking like <laughs> from Jason's heart right now. This is one
0: of my big campaigns. I'm like stop stop deifying your comics. Yeah let it, yeah. Let be loved.
2: So and if that people want that they can pay extra for shipping. I'll be more than happy to accommodate them. But I want to do a quick.
0: Yeah, turnaround of course um, in, in terms of your like writing and scripting process uh, what's uh, w- when you're when you're like getting into the actual scripting process and looking at collaborating with your artists and stuff like that I mean I guess the first question would be did you already have your script written before you found an artist or was it yes. kind of an or-
2: oh really yeah so it went through multiple incarnations. I had a uh, L. Anderson help me with the story. She was my she's my story editor. Uh, she's great, amazing editor. If you're looking for an editor, hire her. There we go. Um, then I uh, hooked up with uh, Jason Gonzalez, who is the artist. Mm. Um, there was no multiple artists attached, but Matt Hawkins was kind enough to look over my my work and help me with uh, finding an artist. Uh, That's amazing. So he's. Uh, So he got me hooked up with Jason and then uh, Claire Napier, who's uh, an Eisner-nominated editor from uh, Women Who Write About Comics, who has gone on to do her own thing as a writer and editor. She agreed to come and help me with um, some more nitty-gritty editing. And uh, there's just, you know, it's finally in sync. Everybody's like on the same page and we're finally rolling you know and it, it's a three year year long project <laughs> mm. that I'm so glad to finally come to a, a point where I can share the first issue yeah um, I hope that we raise enough to do all four issues of course um, but if not you know there's always you know that, that's the barometer so avenues, how, yeah. f- how far can I get with this dollar yeah, is yeah. what I'm
0: trying to figure out of course yeah and, and I mean I think we certainly hope that we can we can see all four <laughs> issues uh, in, in, so obviously since you had the script done before you came to an artist in um, talking about kind of the, the pros of the script, um, did your writing change or did you alter your writing after you had an artist on board, and, and what was it like kind of writing for sort of a um, uh, an artist that you didn 't know who they would be you well
2: know? thankfully jason 's a pro he 's worked with <laughs> Todd mcFarlane you know oh, nice. he was he 's from phoenix i 'm from Tucson, so we both love and know arizona That's amazing and he is a, you know he, he was mentored by Todd for mm-hmm. a while, so I knew. I'm not working with an amateur. Yeah, yeah. What I can draw, what I'm writing, I know he can do. So I wasn't worried about his abilities. Yeah. Um, What I did talk to him a lot about was, basically, when I write a script and I give it to an artist, I say, here's how I see this. You could do it however you want. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to tell you how to draw. Yeah. I'm just going to, that's how, you know, this is how I operate. I operate with a splash page. And six-panel grid. Yeah, and I will always do that. <laughs> yeah. And if you want to deviate from that and get creative, by all means. Mm-hmm. Henry, that's
1: uh, that's incredible to me that you're giving that much leeway to an artist for something that's non-fictional. So yeah. like, like, like these are events that are based, like it's based on events or very literally a translation of events that have actually happened. And you're like, hey, man, you do what you got to do, kind of thing. <laughs> you hand it off to him. Like that's yeah. a very uh, trusting. Leap that you're giving them. Thank
2: you. Well, it's it's comics. It's not. Mm. It's not. I'm not publishing <laughs> a, a comic script. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm publishing a, a, a visual narrative that yeah. he, that he can do. Yeah. You know, and I and I can. I'm only at his whim. Yeah. Of and course. I am not scared to fall back and make sure he catches me. Yeah. Um, Thankfully, I'm Claire man. is right behind him. So. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're being. Falling on top of each other If that happens But I'm pretty confident I was inspired by John Lewis's March You know Oh yeah of course Really beautiful yeah. Amazing story It was originally Going to be prose And then I realized Well I want to be In the comic book industry Why aren't I writing This as a comic Absolutely
1: so. I think the comics industry Absolutely needs More <laughs> nonfiction stuff yeah. uh, Did that if, Like I was going to ask How Because it's nonfiction? Uh, did that affect Your process at all For how you tackled this
2: Um Yes Because I had to tell A story that was A little that It's a big story, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of, I think there was a lot of room for dramatization. Of course. Fitting yeah. it yeah. into if a very it was, traditional narrative. If it was a prose, then I would have had to do it all nonfiction. Mm. It wouldn't be like he said, she said. It, was, it, would, be a, it would be a reporting thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: All right, we got cut off by a rude colorist that decided to come in and interrupt and and vie for Henry's time. Uh, (laughs) But uh, so let's talk about let's talk about uh, when this is ending. And and so the
2: Kickstarter is going to end on Columbus Day. I think it's very important to end it on a day that uh, it's very uh, near and oh, actually very far from Native Americans' hearts. Yes. Uh, So it's a meaningful day. It's a very passionate day for people that. You know, Indigenous People Day. I think is mm-hmm. what we're trying to change it to. That'd be great. Uh, yeah, oh, so, rather, rather
0: than uh, colonizing uh, bastard day. <laughs>
2: right. So <laughs> I just want to, I just want to bring it. I want to bring the 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 crowdfunding campaign and the Columbus Day to a close on a high note. Hell yeah! So it's that important too. for me to do that. Be amazing. Uh, let's so tell
0: everyone where they can find the campaign, where they can find you.
2: Uh, you could find the con- campaign on Kickstarter, uh, La Voz de Mayo. That's uh-huh. L A V O Z M A Y O. You can also find us on Instagram, mm-hmm. where I'll be posting updates, and you can find the link there. Uh, Kickstarter is the best place to go. Absolutely. Um, and if you follow our Twitter, uh, yes, we, will, we will have follow, we will be follow reposting. Follow you, it. Um, me. I'm just Henry Barajas. Or Henry J. Barajas. Yeah. and uh, Henry, Henry's got good thoughts on comics
0: pretty often on his Twitter. He's, he's <laughs> back in the heat with his uh, with Yeah, his I try
2: to be uh, very neutral. Yeah. So it's fun. You know, I've been in this industry for way too long. Well, I don't know. No, <laughs> not too long. Not Just long Just getting enough. started. Yeah. Just getting started. So.
0: We're, 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 we're about to emerge into the, uh, the next phase of the Henry Barajas yeah. comics career. Yeah, phase. Barajas. Ten phase ten phase the, the Henry Barajas <laughs> on, on top of the title uh, phase of the career yeah but uh, Henry is great as always talking thank to you, you so much for talking but, to uh, me if oh yeah we do have one last question one last What's question, the last question?
1: we ask our, Shoot. Uh, our our interviewers or
2: interviewees uh, why do you love comics why do I love comics well comic books for me growing up was a pli- well, it, I saw Madman and I saw a character that I could identify with mm-hmm. Mike and Laura Allred's character. Uh, who had a scar on his face. And it was just... uh, There was just so much imagination. Mm. And I just fell in love with the medium. I fell in love with the storytelling dynamic. Uh, The characters never ended, you know. They can go on forever. I just love that I always had these things in my life as long as I want them to be. Of course. Uh, They taught me how to read. They've given me some of the best friends of my life. Uh, I have a new family that I... You know, I know you, I see you guys more often than I see my family. (laughs) Uh, Likewise, that's that's like, yeah, Yeah. exactly. That's pretty true. (laughs) It's like, uh, you know, it's just we're all cut from the same cloth, and this is my life, and I'm really happy that I've got to a point where I can do this for a living. I get to help um, make books that are important to me, and I think that should be told. Uh, You know, I got to contribute to Where We Live, that helped uh, mass shooting survivors. Amazing, yeah. Um, I'm going to write about Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta. Uh, for a anthology that 's going to benefit the southern poverty law Center amazing uh so there 's just a lot of you could do a lot of good with comics yeah. i think and it 's a you could do anything absolutely you know you only need a an artist writer inker letter editor yeah. you don 't need a sound guy you don 't need a director or background actors or set studio, dresser uh, or studio yeah. or VFX <laughs> yeah. crew you yeah. know you could do whatever you want with with what limited limited tools you know that yeah, you course. you can find that's why i like comics. Hell yeah fuck yeah henry that's amazing thank
0: you so much for joining the show thank make you sure so you follow much. henry on twitter uh read his articles and sci-fi wire go back and dig through the bin on comics beat to find his old stuff uh but also follow him uh on twitter and go back his freaking kickstarter uh henry don't
2: children. go back through my twitter history though <laughs> yeah don't don't go back through <laughs> that. don't dig deep yeah don't dig that deep that's that's consequential for yeah, anybody these for, days yeah well thank you awesome thanks Henry.
0: Welcome back, welcome back. Thank you so much to Henry Barajas for uh, taking out the time to talk to us uh, for this interview. Of course, make sure you go and back his Kickstarter, La Voz de Mayo. Uh, You can find it on his Twitter, at Henry Barajas. Uh, You can find it, I'm sure, if you just even search Henry Barajas on Google, or if you search La Voz de Mayo, or if you go into the show notes on this episode, uh, you will find an easy way to get to it. Um, It is a really beautiful-looking comic, and I can't wait to get my hands on it. Uh, but without further ado, Kent, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's pay the bills here. Let's read some ads. Let's throw some dollar bills our own way. <laughs> well, the first dollar bill to come our way here, the, the, the first backer, the first, uh, the first sponsor to talk about is of course the big one. It's panel by panel magazine. You've, you've probably heard of them before, Kent.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. They've, uh, they do stuff all the time, uh, with, uh, you know, them comics and, and things. And you, you write in there. You should tell them about it. I do write in there every once in a while. Uh, I've had
0: I've had a few features. I interview people in panel by panel uh, fairly regularly. Um, every once in a while, I'll do like a little a little essay or so, and, and other things like that. But uh, you don't want to hear from me. I mean, you've already you've already heard a lot from me on this podcast. Um, the people you do want to hear that from, though, are all over uh, in these uh, in these issues of panel by panel. They are creators with comics that you know, comics that you've read. Uh, you know, you'll you'll find you know one of the most recent episodes was a full deep dive, uh, d- uh, a dissection of the new world by Alesh Cotton Trad Moore. Uh, you've also seen features on uh, the Incredible Hulk. You've seen features on uh, Maxwell's Demons. Um, it's it's creators dissecting the craft of comics, and uh, I think there's no better place to get insight from the people who make your favorite comics than panel by panel magazine. So make sure that you go check it out. It's panel uh, And you can uh, pick up your first issue for the low, low price of $2 and 50 cents. Kent Eisner nominated Eisner nominated panel magazine. by panel magazine. Don't you ever fricking forget it. Cause I won't let you and Kent won't let you either. <laughs> whenever I forget it, <laughs> uh, Ken, what, what's, what's the
1: next uh, little ad here? What you got for us? I'm going to go flip through this script, and psh, 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 we've got uh, my comic, Scariest and Screamforth. I made a free comic that you can read online right now, right this second. You can go to scariestandscreamforth.com. It's a young adult series. It's a spooky mystery story where three kid monsters in a monster town try to solve a mystery. And if you like comics, you're probably going to like it. It's it's written for pretty much any audience. If you know how to read, go read my comic. It's free. Hell Yeah
0: um and uh really quickly i want to tell you about the other podcast on our network uh, or one of the other podcasts on the network at least it is the could we call it our sister show our sister show uh it shares one host out of three uh it's uh (laughs) it's the it's the savage land podcast uh host it it normally comes out every week but uh lately it's been a little more inconsistent but nonetheless entertaining kent uh, it's a, uh, a conversation with me and two of my best friends about comics, movies, TV shows, books, video games, all the stuff we love. It's just like hanging out with your friends and, and, uh, catching up on the stuff you missed and, and hearing the good recommendations for the things that, uh, that you want to, you want to know about. Um, every once in a while we'll also feature, uh, interviews. They're a little bit more, a little bit more casual, cool. Oh, I just burped in the middle of the ad read. Uh, A little bit more casual, Mm -hmm. a little bit more laid back. Our stock just fell 20 (laughs) points. (laughs) Um... They're, they're, just, they're, they're the kind of the laid-back interviews that are a little bit of a change of pace from these uh, workshop interviews. We, we tend to focus on craft here in Comic Book Workshop, and uh, in Savage Land, we focus on a lot of the other things. You know, the, the lives of the people that uh, are making your favorite comics and, uh, you know, the, the fans' perspective on a lot of things. And so it, it tends to, to stir it up a little bit more. Um, if you want to check out the uh, latest interview we had, it was a two-parter with uh, Brian Edward Hill. Uh, the writer of uh, Detective Comics, Batman and the Outsiders, uh, Postal, uh, Killmonger, uh, he's, Michael Cray. He's got tons and tons of comics uh, to his name. So make sure you go check it out. You can go to savagelandpodcast.com uh, to check out more. Can't tell him about our Patreon.
1: All righty. So if you really like supporting our show, they're, one of the best ways is to go to our Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash tnbc workshop hell yeah and it's uh there's lots of options on there to to support different tiers different dollar amounts you can throw some schmeckles our way Mm -hmm. as jason likes to say and i like saying it too (laughs) um you can uh you have your name read off by us at the end of the episode uh there's you can have drawings done by us uh jason is actually becoming quite the artist and it's making me (laughs) uncomfortable uh he's he's cutting out of my territory and i don't like it uh (laughs) he's getting good uh so yeah there's options to get uh drawings from us every month original drawings uh, oh, and yeah there's, there's other tiers as well so go check them out at our patreon and it that goes directly to us and helping fund this podcast getting us to conventions helping us upgrade our equipment uh we take the show very seriously even though we joke around a lot but uh yeah that's a that's one of the best ways to support our show here
0: hell yeah so make sure you visit patreon.com slash tmbc workshop to uh, find out more about our different tiers and uh support the show And uh, the last thing we want to mention is that uh, if you would like your comic advertised on this show, make sure you send us a 30-second clip or less uh, to uh, uh, letters at tnbcworkshop.com. If you have a comic that you'd like to advertise, send your ad our way. Uh, And we're going to pick our favorites and uh, throw them on the show. You'll get featured amidst these very ads you're listening to right now. Just make sure that it's nothing hateful uh and uh that's that's really our only ground rule 30 seconds long and uh nothing hateful send it in either mp3 or wave format would be preferred um yeah you you have your marching orders we've already had a few submissions and uh there's there's definitely been some pretty entertaining ones so make sure you uh get that in uh pronto
1: yeah and uh that will be posted for free there's no charge that's the
0: promotion we're running
1: damn straight kent well, with all Alrighty. those ads
0: out of the way, I think it's time to hear from Nicole DeAndrea about her comic. Absolutely. Listen up.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Kent Heidelman. And today I've got an interview with Nicole DeAndrea. Nicole, welcome to the show.
3: Hi. It's nice to be here.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate you coming on the show today. Uh, you are a creator and you've got a comic that you are putting on a Kickstarter called Road Trip to Hell. But before we get into that and talking about Kickstarter, talking about Road Trip to Hell, I wanted to get into a little bit of background on you and your uh, position here in comics. and your comics professional yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Uh, well, I'm currently the submissions editor and the marketing director for Action Lab Entertainment. I've been working for them for a little over three years now. I started out as an intern while I was in college, and I basically do a little bit of everything for them. I help edit some of their books. I co-write a few of the books, um, and I'm responsible for helping with ads and the marketing and uh, figuring out what new books we're going to get uh, down the line.
1: That's amazing. It sounds like you wear a ton of hats there.
3: Yeah, definitely. I enjoy it a lot
1: uh it seems to me that uh, before we get into everything else uh, the more you know about the the industry and i mean specifics uh as doing other jobs i feel like it helps you do all jobs better would you agree with that
3: oh definitely it really does
1: yeah uh were you when you came on to action lab initially were you uh you're doing the internship but when you got into this new role were those things that you were already kind of getting a handle on as an intern uh was it like one specific thing you were supposed to be getting hired onto? Or how did you get to all those different hats? it just kind of came with the job?
3: Um, it sort of came with the job and mostly because I wanted to take the initiative to uh, kind of volunteer to do whatever types of work were available at the time because I was really interested in the comic book industry as a whole. So I wanted to see what different um, parts there were to this comic book company. And uh, my boss, Brian Seaton, was really great with, just throwing me into a bunch of different areas so I could wear a bunch of different hats, kind of see what I enjoyed doing there. And I ended up enjoying pretty much everything because I really love anything comic book related. So I really enjoy a little bit of everything.
1: Love it. That's awesome. Uh, so we'll definitely probably have to have you back on the show and talk more about Action Lab and your role there. And obviously we'll probably touch on it still uh, here today. But today's focus is your comic, uh, Road Trip to Hell. So you also, amongst all those hats, you've got more, you are a comics creator yourself. Uh, so you're the, the writer of Road Trip to Hell, correct?
3: Yes, writer and creator.
1: Awesome, awesome. Uh, so tell us a little bit about Road Trip to Hell. How, uh, where did the idea start?
3: Well, the idea started before I was even in college. I had this kind of vague idea that I wanted to do this ultimate nature versus nurture story specifically about a guy who finds out after living a somewhat ordinary life that he's actually the son of the devil and just seeing how he processes that information. And I kind of ended up putting the idea on the back burner for a while since I was going to college. And then when I was in college, I had a very long ar- friendly argument with my roommate where we had seen the trailer for <laughs> friendly. It was a friendly argument. Um, <laughs> We saw the trailer for they were coming out with a new mini series for Rosemary's Baby, which is based on a very old film that is about a woman who—spoilers for a movie that I think is over sixty years old now—but a woman who <laughs> uh, ends up giving, yeah, she ends up giving birth to uh, the devil's baby. And my friend was insistent that there was no way the kid wasn't going to be the most evil person who ever lived and was going to cause chaos and destruction. And we kind of just had a friendly argument about that because I I kind of disagreed. I was like, I think it's more up in the air. I think it could go either way. And I that kind of propelled me into wanting to write the comic book series because I wanted to really see through writing it what ultimate decision he would come down on. Because when you find out more about this character, you see that he has basically almost like the world in his hands and he can choose whether he wants to make it a much worse place or make it a, a great place. And he's kind of struggling with that.
1: Wow. Uh, it, it seems like honestly, it's one of my favorite concepts that I've heard in a, in a while. Uh, it just, it's, it's a perfect elevator pitch and it, it just grabs you. And uh, I, I got, I got very lucky. You gave me a, a preview copy before the interview and I got to read it and I, I loved it. Uh, I loved what I saw. The art's amazing. The story's great. The characters are, are really fun and, diverse and just there's lots going on there lots of meat
3: thank you i really appreciate that you enjoyed it
1: yeah yeah uh i hope everyone else enjoys it as well so uh for the comic uh you were you, you start so you started uh, with this discussion with your friend did you start writing it then or was it more just like writing like an outline how long did it take to get to like a, a finished script level
3: It took a while. I believe I had that conversation with her, I want to say, when we were in sophomore year. And I worked on it on and off while I was in college, because I mean, in addition to my classes, I had a part time job in college, I had a lot of stuff going on. So I would work on it occasionally. And I had only a couple pages scripted out, I started with scripting the first issue just to see where it would go. And I ended up looking more at it when I was in my senior year of college because at that point I was interning with Action Lab. I was learning a lot more about the industry and feeling more um, comfortable in the comic book industry. And I had actually started a class. It was a class I was required to take for my senior year where it was a writing course where we had to do a big project that would take um, the entire course length to do. And I had a great professor, um, regina clark and she was very open to us pitching whatever idea we wanted to do and ultimately what i did was i wrote the scripts for road trip to hell one and road trip to hell number two and i basically finished those two scripts by the time i graduated which was also when i ended up getting hired by action lab
1: wow that is great timing and what a great use of uh your resources there making your school assignment ended up being a project that you you've now made into a comic well done that was an amazing idea
3: Thank you. It was a lot of fun to be able to mix that with my classwork. I loved it.
1: Uh, since you did it in class, did you get a lot of feedback from uh, your classmates or your teacher? I mean, probably your teacher, but what about like uh, other eyeballs reading it?
3: Oh, yeah. we. It was a really great class because I believe there were only about um, 15 people. Nice. And have, yeah, it, that, it was great. We ended up having every class we could have. I think it was about like a, a few people would read what they had been working on. And uh, it was fun to be able to read the comic script because we actually got people who would take parts from the comic script. What? Well. Yeah, and it was almost like reading a play. And people were like really, really positive and receptive to it. And I got uh, a lot of really good feedback, too, that I think really helped make those issues what they are and I I think those are really great and I just got so much great feedback from all the students my professor it was great
1: I I don't think many people are as lucky as you to have a a cast (laughs) for yeah
3: I was really lucky I really was it was a great experience it was probably my favorite class that I had
1: (laughs) mine too and I didn't even go to it I'm like that's amazing so much fun uh very cool uh so you uh been working on the comic obviously for a while now uh, when did you start bringing in a creative team and what like led you to those decisions on finding them, all that stuff?
3: Uh, well, it was a bit, a while after that, because after I graduated, I started working for Action Lab. I put my focus more into that than in the scripts. That's so they smart. ended up sitting yeah, there job. for a while. Yeah. So I ended up doing that, but it was a while after that. I remember I, um, I actually got to do a, uh, a comic script reading, uh, with someone for part of a Kickstarter. My boss actually at Action Lab, he had, uh, apparently he'd backed a Kickstarter and one of the rewards he got was that you could have a, a Skype call with the creator and they'd go over one of your comic scripts with you. So he actually gave that to me because Whoa. he thought I could see of it. Yeah. So it was very cool. And I got to talk to her. Her name is, um, uh, Jenny Wood. She worked on the Flutter collection. Um, and it was really great, a great comic. I've read it. it. She's an amazing person. And she read the first script for Road Trip to Hell. And she just, she was a great motivator for me, because she came on the call and was like, I absolutely loved it. And she wanted to read the rest of the scripts. So she ended up reading all three of the scripts I have now written. At the time, it was the, just the first two scripts. And she was just like, so supportive and so motivating and she just said you have to write more because I have to see what happens so that ended up really (laughs) motivating me like I really wanted to finish it for her at that point because she was like so excited she's like well I have to see how the, the first story arc ends so I ended up I think I ended up getting really just inspired by all that and I think I ended up writing the script for the third issue I finished it a couple months after that initial conversation with her and sent it to her and just got even more feedback from her and she was just such a great source. And after I finished the third issue script, I realized I had the perfect kind of bow tie for the first story arc, and I should really start considering getting an artist. So that's kind of where I moved on to looking at who I knew that I wanted to do this artwork. And I already knew a lot of really great people because of my work through Action Lab. So I looked at some of the people's art I saw, and I knew... I knew when I first saw uh, Marco's artwork. He's done art on a series like Vamp Blade, which is the series I looked at at the time. I knew when I saw his artwork, I absolutely loved it, and I would want to work with him someday. And I kind of just realized that today was the day. Like this is the perfect style. I <laughs> one, day, to... one
1: day, one yeah. day, today, today, that, uh, that, that day. <laughs> That's so it, was,
3: it was just so perfect because he has this great way of he can do such amazing action scenes. But the one thing I really love about his art is the emotions he puts on characters' faces. They have like this cartoony quality about them, but it really show brings out their emotions. And I just think it works so well for a story. And that just was perfect for that. Yeah. And then from there, I went on to like um, the colorist Joaquin, who I'd seen his work on Medicine, which is another Action Lab title that. I just I remember I liked the art, but I was just really blown away with the whole color palette and I tried to imagine what it would look like over Marco's art. And when I got the first color samples back from him, I just thought it was a perfect fit. so
1: yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Marco and Joaquin, both amazing choices. I, I when I heard like the name of the comic, I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. And then when I, I saw it, I'm like, okay, this is like legitimately immediately the art looks outstanding, and that's for me first and foremost. I think pretty much anybody when you're looking at comics, you're you're looking at the art uh, as your first hook and like the idea behind it. Uh, and it's it's a great and Marco just absolutely just destroyed it, and he does absolutely. He said it right on the uh, nailed on the head is uh, the emotions and the, um, like the emoting of the characters like it's very stylized but it's also realistic it's that perfect middle ground that's ripe for comics so it's it's fantastic and then joaquin's colors are just perfect perfect match
3: i was just i was so happy with how it turned out even from the first um, character sketches that marco sent me i pretty much didn't change anything because he just perfectly embodied everything that i wanted and it was awesome and then the colors just added to that and even with like going on to like I had the logo design by um, Brant, and he just he the the logo I think fit perfectly with the cover. And then of course I have to talk about Justin Justin Birch because he I've done a lot of work with him in the past at Action Lab. I've worked with him. He's a great letterer who he letters so many things. It's insane. He does so much hard work, and it just I mean it's really showed. I know he he like got nominated for an Ringo Award because of all the great lettering he's wow. doing. Yeah. So I, I knew right away that he was definitely the letterer I wanted. So he did a great job too. And just everything came together so well.
1: Uh, yeah. It's it. I was, I was honestly, I was very shocked uh, when I read it. I'm like, this is like so pro like I, it, it's immediately like you could see this uh, anywhere, any shelf if you're, if you want to pick it up and, and give it a read. And it's, it's a, uh, your, your, your whole team and you obviously very much included nailed it. So I am excited to read more and I want more too. I'm definitely in the same uh same boat. I'm like, give me more pages, give me more comic. I need more I need to see the ending. I, I'm so hooked in these characters. I'm invested. Let's do this. So much fun. Uh, I mean. Thank you. Yeah. Uh so you've got the creative team, you're you all set to go. When did Kickstarter come to the picture? Where where did you see that? Uh, happening was it right after you got it done you're like oh what's next or did you have that already kind of in the back of your head before you'd even assembled your creative team
3: it had always been in the back of my head because i mean another thing i do in addition to my action lab work is i also uh write for a website called comic frontline
1: how many hats do you wear <laughs> uh
3: quite a few quite a few it's a tower. Anyway, i like to keep busy i might be a little bit of a workaholic but i like to keep busy um <laughs> But, um, I write for a website, Comic Frontline, uh, comic book related articles, and I have a series of articles that I do, which are interviews with Kickstarter creators, written interviews that, um, I do through email. And I, I just, start, I started that when I was in college too, because I, I was just hearing about Kickstarter. I was trying to find a series of articles I could do for Comic Frontline, and I was like, well, I'd be interested to hear more about this. I don't know a lot about this at the time. So I've talked to so many people. I've done so many interviews at this point. I'm actually, uh, not to go too much into it, but I'm trying to get it turned into like a book that I could put on Kindle or something like that with like a bunch of interviews with Kickstarter creators and things like that. So I knew it. how, yeah, thank you. But I, I knew how important Kickstarter was in the comic book industry. I could see it really doing things and I could really see one of my projects on there. So when it came time to choose what I wanted to do with Road Trip to Hell. And that was always kind of at the forefront of my mind.
1: Well, you've uh, successfully also managed to answer my next question, which was what kind of research you did for... Of like. It sounds like you did so much research ahead of time that you didn't even know was research. That's amazing.
3: Yeah, it, it was a lot. I mean, I talked to a lot of creators who had a lot of success with Kickstarter, a lot of creators who didn't have as much success, so I could kind of get an idea from both of them about what worked and what didn't work. And I mean, I'll sometimes listen to like the, uh, what is it? The comics launch podcast and other podcasts like that, that tell you things about Kickstarter and give you tips. And, uh, I'm still like a dorky student. I'll take notes as I listen to the podcasts about things that I think are important and stuff like that. So I've just had, I, I really like to research very heavily whatever I'm doing. So that was really important to me.
1: Uh, absolutely. Um, I did absolute I, I definitely want to talk about Kickstarter today. So we're already we're now there. Uh <laughs> off the top of your head just from the cuff, what's like a number one tip you can recommend to do uh for your Kickstarter campaign for comics. And it could be way before you even start your campaign. Uh any what what do you got?
3: Uh I mean, I guess the main thing would be don't go in without uh, a plan not just for uh, not just for the Kickstarter itself, like what you want for your rewards, what goal you're trying to hit, what printer you're going to use, that makes sense with that goal, but also have like a press plan in place. Make sure you have things like a lot of interviews set up, send out review copies to some people if you have the uh, comic finished already to see if you can get a lot of press generated around the time of the launch of the Kickstarter and throughout the Kickstarter, and just really promote the heck out of it the whole time.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And uh... I'm hoping it
3: works because I haven't actually done my Kickstarter yet, but I'll see how it goes.
1: So this is your first actual attempt at a crowdfunding.
3: Yes. I've helped Action Lab with a few of their Kickstarters kind of behind the scenes stuff. Nice. But I've, I've never actually run one by myself.
1: Hey, uh, but that's, that's all good experience though. Any, any experiences, good experience before doing something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've got, that was a, uh, some, definitely some great tips there. Uh, What's something you would say definitely avoid when doing kickstarter? Hmm.
3: Where are the I, traps? I would, say, I would say especially if it's your first kickstarter because for me, I was very tempted. I really wanted to make like a bunch of reward tiers with like art prints and posters and like metal prints and like I realized very quickly I wanted to keep the reward tiers kind of simple for my first time out. Like give people enough that they would enjoy what they were getting, but at the same time don't go overboard and try to produce too much and don't try to uh, shoot too high with your goal on the Kickstarter amount, but also don't shoot too low because if you shoot too low and then you end up hitting that goal, then you might not, it might not matter. You have all this, that money and it's still not enough to get to your goal. You have to make sure you hit the sweet spot with your, uh, with the amount of money you're trying to raise.
1: Uh, do you want to say at this point what your, your goal is?
3: Yeah, I can. I, I set it at about a $2,000 goal, um, which might seem kind of low, but it's mostly pretty much the, the whole goal is to get it for printing and also just sending it out to people who are backing it. Because the actual comic is done. I've already paid the whole creative team out of my own pocket, so that is all done. So I don't need the money for that. But then anything I raise in addition to that $2,000 is going to be going directly towards the creative team for the next couple issues. So anything extra we raise would be very important.
1: Uh, uh, honestly, when I saw your your $2,000 goal, I was like, ooh, I think that's a great goal. And I, I agree too. It's low because you see these campaigns that go like, oh, we did oh, $50,000. We did uh, $100,000. And you're like, oh my God, wow, that much, huh? Uh, but yeah. I think that, Two thousand is like you—you you actually do want to get this into print. And if you do a goal that's like thirty thousand, and you get to twenty-five thousand, and that's where the the campaign ends, you don't get any of it. It's all gone. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you, you want it to go. It's like, what's the minimum to get us across the finish line at an appropriate level? And that's in my head. That was the exact number that I was going to have for my campaign eventually, if I do one. Is mm-hmm. two thousand. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm glad I'm not the only one. That's nice. You're doing it. That's good. That's good. Uh, I think it's a great choice. Uh, so for your your tiers, you said you're gonna keep them simple, and I I got to take a peek at them, and I agree they're very digestible, and I think that's insanely important because also it's there's only some like the attention span nowadays. Everyone rants about it being short, but it is. Uh, mm. You had a very very simple breakdown, and I I liked it. What's your um uh, what's your bread and butter tier? What's your what's the tier you're driving? Everyone you think like is your gonna be your most popular one?
3: Hmm, I mean, I think the two most popular ones are probably going to be the tier where you just get a digital copy of the issue, because that's a good way to get your first taste of the issue. I think that one will be popular. And then for people who are interested in also getting the physical rewards, the, the tier right after that, which includes not only a digital copy, but also the physical copy. And I mean, all the tiers also include, um, For the for a first certain amount of people that you get on the thank you page that's in the comic book as well.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that's where the the bell curve uh, peaks. And it's those are good spots. Uh, It's a good looking thing. Uh, With your creative team has everyone kind of uh, tentatively agreed if the funding is there for the next couple issues that you're going to get the whole team back?
3: Yes, I, yeah, I've talked to them and I, I've um, been sending them updates because uh, the first issue has been done for a little while now and I've been letting them know that the Kickstarter is coming up and they've all been very receptive and said that they're on board to come back for issues two and three since that'll wrap up our first story arc. Uh,
1: nice, nice. That's uh, It's good to hear it because uh, as a reader, I love consistency and that's very, very important. <laughs> Do you uh do you how many issues do you have uh planned for like the first arc? I know that this this campaign is just for printing the the first issue but in your head is it four is it eight where where are we landing?
3: Well, for the first uh collected volume, there are there are going to be several story arcs that are throughout this story. I could honestly see it going. I have it roughly outlined from 6 to 8 volumes basically of stories. Volumes? That, uh, oh my god, that's awesome yes it's it's gonna be a long journey because it's literally a road trip to hell and it's a it's a long one but it's it's well worth it i think um the each arc being about three issues long so for this first arc, I have the first three issues scripted i knew I knew when I started having the art done that I wanted to do it when the first story arc was completely written because I didn't want to go back halfway through issue three and realize I wanted to switch issue two and then have that art done already so I made sure that all the scripts for the first volume, the first three issues, are done. So I'll be able to, hopefully after this Kickstarter, if everything goes well, my plan is to start having the art team work on issue two, and then right after that start working on issue three. Because we had a bit of a long break between issue one as I was getting this Kickstarter set up, and I don't really want a long break in between each each issues. I'm anxious to get the complete first story arc done.
1: Uh, That totally makes sense. And yeah, time goes on, and... Uh, you want to be as cohesive a story as possible. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with um, with your Kickstarter, uh, I saw written on there at the bottom, and I'm I think you're one of the few Kickstarters that I've seen have done this, and I think it's awesome. You've mentioned what printer you have in mind, uh, and I saw it was a Kraken print. At this point, uh, why them?
3: Uh, well, I did a lot of research into printers, too, because I knew when I figured out which printer I wanted to do, that was when I was going to set my Kickstarter goal, because I just wanted to get an idea of how much it would be. And when I looked at all of them, uh, I had a few that sent me samples of their work, and there are several that I still have in mind to use in the future, because there, there are a lot of good printers that I found. But Kraken Print, I mean, not only were the samples of the comics they sent me, like, good examples that I wanted my comment to follow but they were so communicative like it was great I could email them and I would pretty much always get a response from them within like a day and if not a day then within that week which was great because I had a lot of questions and they were able to answer all of them they told me all these like extra details and things they keep giving me updates whenever I ask them about what the estimated shipping times would be since they change depending on the year. So I've just, I've been kind of keeping in constant communication with them and just seeing that communication and how dedicated they seem to be. I really wanted to go with them as the printer. So that is the plan.
1: Wow. Uh, I'm shocked that uh, they've been that communicative. I, I, I wouldn't think that a, a that a printer would be putting that much time in, I think would be to their benefit. It's just one of those like, oh, they're probably not going to be that responsive. So I could definitely see why you would choose them. That's amazing.
3: They really have been great. And I mean, they're very honest too, because I realized that by the time this Kickstarter ends, it'll be October. And I know that that is close to the holidays, which I know can be a bit tricky when you're getting closer to the holidays with printing. And they were very open about like the timeline with that and how, yes, they do get busy but they're more than happy to help me with that, because basically, if you want if backers wanted a timeline for when they would be getting their books, because I think that's something they'd be would want to know, is that right after the Kickstarter ends, uh, if it's successful, which I'm very hopeful it will be, um, I would definitely get them the digital rewards within a week or two after it's uh been wrapped up since the actual comic is completely done and the only thing i'd have to add would be the thank you pages but for the physical copies that would take more time but i have been talking with kraken so they've given me good estimates so things like once i sent them electronic proof it'll probably take them they told me like two months for them to get everything printed and shipped over to their warehouses i believe they do uh shipping overseas so that's why it would take them apparently about the two months to get everything together and they also send it uh, another reason that i thought they were a great printer is that they also send it directly to the kickstarter backers
1: whoa so they, yes whoa it, it,
3: it's an extra fee but it is a re, it was like reasonable enough where they said if you get us the list of the kickstarter backers we can send what you dictate to them so that will take more time. It will probably be a bit of a, um, it'll be a little bit more of a gray area for how much time that'll take because by the time everything gets out there, it'll be closer to the holidays and that can be a really busy time for printers. So that might take a little while. My hope is that people will get their physical books no later than February, which I'm hoping people would yeah. get it even sooner, like January. February, but Yeah, but I put the estimated date as February because I don't want to do it too late. I don't want to do it too early. People should expect their books then.
1: That's incredible. I had no idea that printers uh, would even have that as an option for Kickstarter. So that was another question I was going to ask you: was uh, why not go through some sort? Of, what are they? What are those companies called where it's like a, a? I've already forgotten the word, and I had it earlier. It's where they they take your stuff and they they deliver it all to the Kickstarter backers, where they're like, "Oh, you've got pins and stickers. We'll throw it all together. We'll do that for you, and we'll charge a fee." Like why not do one of those? But that's a really good reason.
3: Yeah, I mean, Kraken just worked perfectly for that. I mean, I can always consider that for future Kickstarters as well, to use another printer, but they've just been so great, and I'm anxious to see how the books are going to turn out.
1: Yeah, uh, I think that, obviously, depending on the fee, uh, that's well worth it, because it's just exhausting doing it. Like, just the work never ends on a Kickstarter, uh, it feels like, and cutting off that want a big thing at the end which is mailing it out you just you're like you send it off to the printer and then you're like okay here's the list i'm done like my work's done and theoretically (laughs) the money's all paid so it should just now take care of itself and backers should start getting uh all their their things sent to them i think that's one of the the best tips uh, on this episode (laughs) is may find a printer that's willing to uh work with you and distributing it directly uh that's that's amazing wow
3: (laughs) help it really is and i mean maybe in the future again if i do another kickstarter and i have to distribute it myself that's fine but as my first kickstarter i really wanted to find a printing company that had that as an option too so i'm really glad i could work that out with them
1: uh when you went on the kickstarter or how did you discover that was that like a big banner advertisement on them or was it through one of these many uh, email correspondence?
3: I think it was actually for them, one of the things I did was I actually went to my Twitter because I've I've met a lot of really good people, surprisingly through Twitter, but I um, did kind of a tweet just asking for people's opinions on printers and if they could give me some names of good printers. And I ended up getting a bunch of names and Kraken Print was one of them. So I ended up researching them and a bunch of others and they were the ones that kind of came out on top in this case.
1: Dang. Uh, so when you... Uh, as far as like the cost or finding out what the that fee was, was that at like when you were checking out, or or do you did you have you you know you wouldn't have put an order in yet because you haven't done the the thing. So is it like written somewhere on their website?
3: They have um that's another good thing I liked about them. They have on the website they have a whole thing you fill out and you send it to them and they actually respond directly to you with a quote. So you get like a real person who actually looks at your order form and figures out for you exactly what your quote would be. Um, and it's the quote for that month. So you do end up wanting to go back to them and like checking in per month to see like how the quote may change depending on the season, but they give you a very personalized quote.
1: Wow. I, I'm shocked. It, this is a, uh, honestly, I'm, I'm, getting, uh, more pumped to maybe do a Kickstarter myself someday. Uh, <laughs> cause this is, this is sending, uh, there's so many stresses and so many things to worry about cause you're doing so much work i mean you're you've you're kind of used to wearing all those hats but for other people that's that's a it, it's amazing how like the i think so, i was listening to someone else talk about like kickstarter and it's like in a kickstarter it isn't done until your backers get their uh, get the product like that's mm-hmm. that's yeah. when a Kickstarter's done and so everything from a to z there's just so much stress and you said you're running this all by yourself
3: uh, yes, the Kickstarter itself, I'm running it all by myself. But, I mean, I'm not really by myself because the great thing you have with Kickstarter is you have all those backers who are, like, making it into a reality for you. And then I have a great printer that um, I can use in this case, and they're really great. And it doesn't really feel like I'm doing it by myself in a weird way. Granted, I'm going to be anxious about it the entire time until the books actually get to the backers. <laughs> but but other than that, it's going to be great.
1: <laughs> this is very exciting. I... So you've uh, mentioned that you're going to, you've got like several volumes in mind uh, and you've got this, this first issue coming out through Kickstarter. Um, where do you see, so let's imagine if you will, we're, we're six months in the future. It's, it's March now or however the Kickstarter's done. All the backers have their comics uh, and issue two, issue three, volume one, volume seven. Where do you see this going? Where do you see distribution? Uh, I mean, you, you work in action lab, uh, what was the choice for not going through them? It Maybe you still do. What? Uh, where do you see the, the future for Road Trip to Hell?
3: I definitely considered looking for a publisher first, but only briefly. And then I realized that I thought it was better to go through Kickstarter first and then look into contacting publishers at a later date. I felt like this was the best way to make sure backers and just people in general could get the book earlier. I know a lot of publishers... Uh, Action Lab in particular, they wait to solicit books until they're 100% complete. So in my case, I would wait until my first story arc was 100% complete to start soliciting them, which can be months out. So I knew it would take a while to get everything done and out to people. And I wanted to do this as a way to give back early to people and just hopefully enter into the Kickstarter community and share something with people earlier and it's not like I don't have plans in the future to look at publishers. I know Action Lab is definitely pretty much top of my list because, you know, I've worked with them so long. I know how they operate. I'm going to more and more Comic Cons now and I'm at their booths usually, so I know it would probably be really great if I would pitch it to them and they would pick it up. But the first things first, I want to do the Kickstarter for them and see how they go and how people respond to the book.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, I... I... So much has changed in the last, you know, 15, 10, 5 years as far as uh, the way the comics industry works and publishing. Like, it's it's not just like a, um, a to B to C anymore. There's all sorts of different routes. And I've totally heard of multiple comics that have did a Kickstarter and then got published uh, through a different publisher. Or were a web comic for years and then went through a printer uh, to get published traditionally. Uh, so it's... Wait.
3: Comics like that at Action Labs, so I definitely know they exist, and it's really great to see that.
1: Yeah, exactly, and it—it it, I think it allows for when you have more options, you get more variety, you get more spice. There's that's uh that's what you want in life. Uh, that's really cool that you've got that planned out for the for the Kickstarter for the comic. Uh, to, I. I can't believe how much you do in the industry. <laughs> did you always want to be a, a writer, uh, or with that in mind? Because it sounds like you took maybe some uh, writing classes in college. Was that was that your major? Was a writing major?
3: Uh, I was a communications major, and my school they had concentrations you could pick for communications. So I did a writing concentration.
1: Very cool. That's uh, that is awesome. Uh, in the future. Uh, I hate the question, where do you see yourself in five years? But like your dream job, is it uh, moving up deeper into the comic publishing levels uh, as far as like job position goes and then doing creative work on the side? Or is it one day maybe doing it full time or is it kind of like you're really happy with both? It sounds like you're happy with both.
3: I'm really happy with both. I love wearing all these hats. I love, I love being busy. I love the comic book industry. It's something that I definitely can see myself doing for years to come. You know, I want to be able to do more and more things on the creative side, specifically with writing. I want to get more of my own ideas and series out there. So I'm hopeful that I'll have more of those under my belt five years from now. But I definitely want to be doing a little bit of everything still.
1: Dang. You are, you know, what's it called? Like, if you, you need something done, ask a busy person. <laughs> I think that's, uh, that's you to a T.
3: <laughs> Thank you.
1: Uh, for Road Trip to Hell, uh, is this the the only comic idea? What other scripts are you working on? Or not, you're not talking about specifically. Do you have other ideas you're cooking?
3: Uh, I do have a couple of things in mind. Um, nothing that's really grown too much because I've been very focused on Road Trip to Hell. I really want to get the next volume of that actually on a roll. I want to start for the scripts for Volume 2 while I'm getting art done for um, the second issue and the third issue. I want to be focusing on the next volume for Road Trip to Hell. But I have ideas I'm leaving on the back burner for now. I won't go into detail about them now, Yeah. but hopeful that those will also successfully get turned into series.
1: That's awesome. Uh, for Road Trip to Hell, uh, when you got the first volume completed, obviously a lot could change and happen between now and then, but do you see it potentially being a, another volume that you take to Kickstarter?
3: Um, I could see it happening. I'd want to see where I am by the end of the first volume because after the first volume's complete, and I get that sent out to backers and things like that, then I might start looking at a publisher angle and see if that's something I want to pursue, or if I'm really happy with how the Kickstarters are going, maybe I'll just keep on with that. And then even if I do pick up a publisher, then I would still consider using Kickstarter, depending on how successful I am at it.
1: So uh, CDC uh, doing every every issue for Trip to Hell is through Kickstarter? At this point, obviously, that could change.
3: I thought about it, but I... I... I'm most likely I'm looking at issue two and three, and I'm kind of hoping that we can get them done back to back and I can do a combined Kickstarter for the second and third issue. But I'm going to see how the schedule turns out for that, how long it takes us to get number two done. And if it's been a while, I don't want to keep people waiting for the second issue. So I might do the Kickstarter for the second issue while we work on the third one. I'm going to see how it goes.
1: Fantastic. Um, I mean, that's pretty much it for my questions as far as, like, the, the Kickstarter goes. Uh, where uh, – anything else that you wanted to touch on for the Kickstarter?
3: Uh, let me think. Um, I mean, I'm – I guess I should just say that it does start on Monday. My plan is to start it probably um, late morning, early afternoon time. It's going to be running for that month. So it'll be from September 10th to October 10th for a full month. Um, I'll actually be during that time – I'll be at a few comic book conventions. I'll be working with Action Lab, so I'll be at the Action Lab booth. But I'll be at the Baltimore Comic Con and the New York Comic Con. So if you want to come over and browse Action Lab stuff, we're always happy to see you. And then I would be happy to answer if I'm if I'm not with a customer or anything like that. I'd be happy to answer any questions anyone has about Road Trip Now.
1: Awesome! That is so cool. Uh, so now yeah. we're. Uh... Wrapping up here, where can the the good people find you and the Kickstarter? What's the what's the URL and all that stuff?
3: Well, I know um, I have my own personal website. I'll be posting the link there, and I'll also be posting the link on all my social media too. Um, my website is uh, comicmaven.com. Uh, that's kind of the moniker I've taken on over the years because it's my Twitter. It's my, I have a Facebook page. I have a bunch of just different social media linked to that, and all that stuff will be... We'll have the link and you can find it on Kickstarter if you look up Road Trip to Hell.
1: Awesome. Uh, It sounds like we've got that all set. Uh, The last question we always ask our guests before they head out is, why do you love comics?
3: Oh, God, I could answer that so many ways. Um, I guess I love comics because there really is something out there for everyone. And I'm someone who who can enjoy pretty much any genre for any age range. Like, I can enjoy an all ages comedy or i can enjoy a really mature dark horror story and i know that with comics i'll always be able to find that and there are just so many good stories out there that i just love to read so it's a no-brainer for me that i love comics
1: perfect i love it all right nicole thank you so much for being here today and good luck with kickstarter everyone go out there and kick it it is great i have read it myself personally and i'm going to kick it as well so i'll see you on the the forums and comment sections there
0: thank you so much to uh both nicole d'andrea and to henry barajas make sure you go and back both of their kickstarters uh if you uh if you want to check out uh, nicole d'andrea's twitter which has all of her kickstarter information and everything it's at comic underscore maven uh so go and support her book road trip to hell um and uh again thank you to henry barajas make sure you go and support his comic as well la de mayo
1: um our i got a chance to i want to jump in here i got a chance to read the first issue of road trip to hell uh for the interview and oh my god if i didn't say it enough during the interview i love it it's really (laughs) really exciting and i can't wait to read the rest of the story arc and see if it continues with a couple of volumes so uh super pumped you should definitely read it hell yeah
0: um, the recommended resource of the week is uh, John Truby's The Anatomy of Story. Uh, this is one of my favorite uh, books on writing. Uh, it really kind of dives into just, I mean, generally, it's just the, 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 the process, the, the, you know, structure, the uh, shape that story always takes. It, it talks about um, things like the top 10 mistakes that writers make about story, uh, the five best and worst questions about screenwriting. Um, how the uh, the twenty two step approach that John Truby outlines is different from the typical three act structure, um, and and generally more helpful to writers. Um, it also uh, brings in things like the five unique story elements of blockbuster films and the five best techniques of character and plot. Um, it's a really in depth and insightful book. It tends to focus on um, on films, you know, on, on major motion pictures, but it also yeah, so it uh, not comics as much. It it doesn't touch on comics as much, but I think that all, most of the lessons here can easily be applied to comics because uh, it's really it's not so much about screenplays as it is about story. Right? Um, it uses yeah. films as a way to analyze story, but it's not necessarily about specifically writing for a film. It's just about how story works in general. Um, and he, he also uses uh, examples from like regular novels and and things like that. And so it's not exclusively you know based in film. Um, but it's it's really a, a phenomenal book, uh, and I think that it'll help anybody learning to wanting to get their writing uh, to a higher level.
1: Wow, sounds really good. Uh, the title one more time, and the author?
0: It is The Anatomy of Story by John Truby.
1: All right. Uh, I like the recommendation. Hell yeah. Uh, so the, for the music for our show, we'd like to big thank you to Sean Rosner, who plays us in and out. And uh, you can check out his album, Burn Away, Defy the Night, or his Instagram, rosner.art.music. Hell
2: and yeah, then, uh, Sean Rosner. We, have, uh,
0: we 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 appreciate you more than you could ever know. Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah, you make <laughs> us sound really professional. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, uh we've got a new iTunes review, don't we?
0: We do have a new iTunes review, Kent. Why don't you go ahead and uh read that out for us?
1: Oh, okay. Uh we'll do the honors. All right. We've got this. I'm gonna butcher this name from Sriggy. That's really good. Sriggy. Why not? And uh Yep, it's titled Good Stuff, and it's a five-star review, so Woo-hoo! thank you for... So I discovered your podcast while searching Clip Studio. I like what you're doing, and I'm looking forward to growing as a creator with you guys. Yep, Thanks you so much, been. Striggy. I uh, really, really appreciate it. And if you have uh, anyone else that has a review that you want to do on iTunes or any of the other major platforms that we can find a review, we will read it off as long as it's not crazy or hateful. Absolutely, it'd be crazy. It'd be crazy.
0: crazy. Yeah, and if if you ever want to shout yourself out in that review, feel free to. So if if you've you know got something to plug, feel free to throw it in the review. Just you know, make sure you're actually uh, being honest in in reviewing our show, and uh, make sure you've actually listened to an episode. We're not, I guess, if they're if they're hearing this, they've listened to episodes. So ha.
1: Catch it's, it's likely that they've heard an episode by this point <laughs> problem solved I was like self. yeah that's a good yeah Jason that is a really good point they better listen to an episode before they review us because I want it to be on oh you're right yeah they probably would yeah yeah if they're, if they're it,
0: hearing this they, they already heard it <laughs>
1: Um, we'd like to thank
0: our supporter on Patreon, Melody Mew. Thank you so much for your support, Melody. And if you'd like to join Melody in uh, the credits at the end of the show, feel free to go to uh, patreon.com slash Workshop and you'll see the tier, the minimum tier that will get your name at the, la- at the end of the show. Kent, work and the people find you on social media
1: on social media you can find me at kent heidelman uh my main one is instagram so check me out there i've got drawings and stuff all sorts of cool fun little things uh jason where can the good people find you uh you can find me on instagram at a white
0: kid and that's where you'll find uh my my ever uh expanding journey as an artist Uh, i've been lately sharing a bunch of uh uh pieces from my sketchbook i I filled up an entire sketchbook in the last month and so i've been just kind of slowly posting some of my favorites from that book uh and and kind of the things that I'm working on, and just generally sharing my thoughts on art in general, and, and the areas that I'm trying to grow. So that's that's been fun. Um, if you'd like to see my thoughts on everything else uh, and the things that I'm looking at in the world, then you can check out my Twitter. It's at that might be cool. Like the uh, the network on which this podcast is hosted, um, Kent. We already heard why Henry and Nicole love comics, so you might be asking yourself, "How how are we going to end this show? What's what are we going to?" do I was here? asking
1: myself that. We, well, I know I know how they love comics, but who else loves comics? Yeah, well, today we're 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 gonna uh,
0: we're gonna ask someone new, someone we haven't interviewed on this show before. Uh, today, we are going to ask Tom King why he loves comics. So, Tom, why do you love comics?
2: Uh, my name is Tom King. I don't like comics; they're for fucking nerds. <laughs>
0: might be cool.com. you never know